0: about putting the power of prayer to work so that we all can do what we really choose to do in the world. Now, I'm sure there are people out there who may be thinking, a whole month talking about prayer? Isn't that a little excessive? Well, not so much when you're a minister, maybe, but I, I want to invite really everyone to find out some of the benefits of prayer. And today, I think that's where I'd actually like to start, is the idea of why we pray. What's the purpose of it? Well, you know, I think there are many different reasons for prayer as they are people. And I want to just focus in on a few of them. Some of us pray just to get closer to spirit, just that more intimate feeling of being one with the creator of all things. Some people pray to get closer to their feeling of humanity, that idea of being plugged into the people and situations and, uh, well, the world itself. Still other people focus in on prayer as a way of, how do I want to say it, almost devotion and love. And so for some people praying literally is a down on your knees uh, idea of devotion to the creator of all life. All of these are wonderful reasons to pray. And I bet you can think of four or five more that I haven't even covered. One of the things, though, that uh, the science of mind here, and, uh, and I would say it's true of new thought in general, is the idea, though, of praying for a purpose, the idea of praying for results. And of course, you're familiar with that, too. Who hasn't in their lives said a prayer before with the idea of changing their circumstances a prayer for healing or a prayer for love so we're familiar with that desire I think to to change our circumstances and there is within us of course that certain knowledge right that God has the power to grant or to have those prayers come about I think we're all in agreement that God is all-powerful all-wise now here, though, I think perhaps in Science of Mind we're a little different, and that's just that the method we use from praying might be a little different than what we're used to. You know, Science of Mind and New Thought in general harken back to the way that Jesus prayed, which is a little different in many ways than the common prayers that are done today. And so this month we're going to focus in on this idea of spiritual mind treatment, or or you might have also heard of it as called affirmative prayer. We're using this wonderful book, Treat Yourself to Life by Raymond Charles Barker, one of the, well, he wasn't the founder of the unity movement, but oh my gosh, in his day, did he have one of the largest unity churches on the planet and spoke to thousands of people every day. And so this book is a compilation of not only the the unity method of prayer, uh, but some of his own success and some of the, the success that people going to his church experienced using this idea of affirmative prayer or the idea of spiritual mind treatment. So where do we get started here? Well, I think that maybe we ought to get started with the promise of the book so let let me read to you what he has to say on the back of the book here he says treat yourself to life is an acknowledged new thought classic it clearly describes and demonstrates the spiritual resources that anyone can use to achieve personal health prosperity, happy relationships, confidence to express their creative talent. It teaches how to improve conditions in these and in all areas of our life by means of spiritual mind treatment. This idea of affirmative prayer. So I don't know about you, but I am ready for some different outcomes, right? Has the world ever perhaps been more in need of prayer? So throughout this month, we're not only going to be teaching you how to pray for your own outcomes, but also for the sake of so many things in the world right now that could use our prayer support. So I think we're going to have some fun together. Next week is the idea of praying for happiness. Marilyn and I have divided up the month to pray for a various number of things that people want, but but who wouldn't want happiness? That's where we're going next week. Today, though, I want to talk a little bit about the basics of prayer, and I think a good place to start uh, would be a joke. So in the courtyard outside of the church, a fellow was on his knees praying with a lit cigarette in one hand. Occasionally, he would take a puff while in conversation with God. Well, another congregant approached him. "'How come you're smoking?' he said. "'Well, the priest said, I could smoke.' "'I don't believe you,' said the second fellow. "'I specifically asked Father James "'if I was permitted to smoke out here in the courtyard while I was praying.' "'Ah, that's the difference,' said the first fellow. "'I asked him, is it possible to smoke and pray at the same time?' And he said, yes. So I hope that, yeah, I know, not one of my best jokes, but but I hope that you notice the difference here, right? It's so often how you ask the question. If we are going to have an effective prayer, What is it that you're treating for? What is the question that you want answered? What is the problem that you want solved from the perspective of the problem being solved? And it leads us in, I think, to a discussion of what Ernest Holmes and other New Thought leaders called the idea of a mental equivalent. I suggest that most of us have spent a good deal formulating mental equivalents in our own mind, but we've formulated them around the problem instead of the solution, right? Have you you ever thought about the amount of mental investment you have in describing and feeling and sensing and talking about all the things that are wrong in your life, <laughs> right? And if it's not your own life, then it's the world in general, the things that are going on in terms of crime statistics or racial injustice or, uh, or I don't know, uh, uh, wars in the Middle East or pandemics. Don't we spend just an amazing amount of time building up in our mind a vision of what? Of terror, of, uh, uh, of fear, of things going wrong, of things being wrong. And i got to tell you, those are like a prayer, and prayers are answered. Now, I'm not saying that people sat around dreaming up the, the pickle that we're in in the world right now, but I will say that people, including us, are creating a mental equivalent that sustains this trouble, that enhances and even grows this trouble through this idea of a mental equivalent. Okay, so what is a mental equivalent? It's simply a strong and accepted picture of the world, of your own life, in your mind. And so we can develop a mental equivalent pretty easily. We can take some notes about how we would like our life to be, how we would like the world to be. And then from there, we can go on to to picture it. We can picture in our mind's eye how our life would be going so much better if dot, dot, dot. And of course, each one of us are going to fill in the dots a little bit differently. Next week, we're going to fill in the dots about happiness. When you are happy, what is your life like? And I'm going to take you on a journey of dreaming a little bit, daydreaming, if you will, about your life on maybe the happiest day you can imagine. And the purpose of that will be to develop a mental equivalent of happiness for you. And it'll be uh, what's going on that makes you so happy, what's going on in your own heart, the feelings of happiness. It's going to put you in the vision of happiness so that you can feel it, you can sense it, you can begin to live it. And this vision, this this mental equivalent is going to begin doing what? It's going to begin dissipating the old mental equivalent of your life as it is now. See, what I believe and what all of the New Thought teachers believe is that your world is created through your own thinking. Your own world is created through this mental equivalent of how you view your life, how you view the world, how you view your chances of success or abundance or whether you're lovable or not. And so you might say to pray is to begin chipping away at that old mental equivalent and putting something more powerful, more loving, more abundant, more joyous in its place. Let's get back to prayer there for a minute. Uh, What do you think prayer does? You know, sometimes I have the feeling that, that people think we need to convince God of something. That if only I prayed a little louder or a little more enthusiastically, right? I'd, I'd catch God's, I don't know, God's ear or God's eye. And then God would somehow be convinced, oh, oh, all right, Larry, you finally prayed correctly. Let me bestow on you the good life. But you know what? that's not the way it works (laughs) we don't need to convince God that there's a good life God is living the good life we don't need to convince God that I'm worthy of anything because God already knows I'm worthy of everything so then what does this idea of the the spiritual mind treatment what does it actually do am I affecting God in any way and I would say the answer is actually no The person that I'm praying to is simply my own higher wisdom self. I'm not convincing God that there's good in the world. God knows that. I'm not convincing God that I'm worthy. God knows that. I'm not convincing God of anything because the goodness, the the loveliness, the beauty, the joy, the peace, all of that is already in God. God gets that, and God would have us experience it. No, I believe... And New Thought teaches that the only person I have to convince to have the good life is me. And so this month, as we learn this idea of affirmative prayer, as we begin to become more expert at this idea of a spiritual mind treatment, the person we're really working on is yours truly. Can I convince myself that the good life is mine to have? Can I convince myself I'm worthy of love? Can I convince myself that the riches of the universe are here for me to have and to use? Can I convince myself that success is here for me now? Now, some of you I know are laughing. You're like, really? So I'm praying to myself? Well, in a way, yes certainly we're praying to something that's larger than ourselves, but it includes ourselves. The way that we say in the science of mind that God is omnipresent is knowing that God is part of us. Our prayers don't need to go anywhere. There isn't like some microphone that if only we yelled a little louder to, then God would hear. God is right here having our thoughts even as we're having our thoughts personally. That's how God is in tune with the universe. God's thoughts are our thoughts and vice versa. It's just how it works. And so when we pray, it doesn't need to go any further than our own thinking. It is our own thinking that is also communicating to that that larger intelligence that is spirit. And when we begin having that mental equivalent that I talked about that includes more joy or more peace or more love, God simply goes, well, yeah, like, of course, and why not, right? It's, it's simply that creative effect. Now, the other thing that we're going to be talking about this month is the divine creative process. And that, fortunately, is something that we don't even need to know anything about. It simply is how God acts in the world. God takes the mental equivalent that we've been talking about, that creation of our mind, of our intelligence, and of our imagination. God simply takes that and says, okay no problem the joy is yours the happiness is yours the peace is yours it's simply a matter of us having that mental equivalent with some clarity and then we can turn it over to god so i've heard some people say well it seems like their prayers are never answered and i want to address that for a moment because i wonder if it is a mental equivalent that you've been building around those prayers, or if it's just words. So anyone can sit down and speak out a prayer. Any one of us can sit down at any one time and just say, yes, I am the abundance of the universe, and so it is. Or we can sit down and say, I'm praying for world peace. Uh, I'm not really sure how that's going to happen, and I can't really picture it in my own mind, but I can sit down, and, and especially being a minister, I can probably come up with a convincing set of words that would have you believe that I think I know what world peace looks like but would it be a mental equivalent of it, or would it just be words? Let me read from Raymond Charles Barker here, his idea of this. He says, think good thoughts and pray, yes, but realize that good thoughts and words on the surface with a nasty disposition below the surface are merely another coat of paint on the same old house. The fresh paint on the old house does not make it a new house. It simply makes it more attractive on the surface. There are, unfortunately, a great many of us with attractive outer attitudes, but with the same old rubbish underneath. Well, I want to assure you, I don't think that any of us have a, what did he call it, a nasty disposition underneath? I won't go that far, but I will say that I have noticed a fair number of people saying one thing, even praying one thing, but their true level of belief is perhaps not at the same level. I have noticed people praying for world peace when they do not have in their wildest imagination a sense of that, a feeling of that, a conviction of that, a mental equivalent of it. For them, it is just words. Likewise, I've had people come to me asking for prayer and good on them because what I noticed was they didn't believe in their own hearts what they wanted me to pray for. They wanted love, but they could not see love in their own heart. They did not have the mental equivalent of love. And so therefore, their prayers would have just been words. We have to create this thing called a mental equivalent, or I believe we are putting a fresh coat of paint on an old house. And those prayers are not likely to be acted upon because we already have a mental equivalent of poverty, of lovelessness, of failure, of insufficiency. And if that is our, how do I wanna say it? If that's what's in our heart, if that is truly what we believe that's in our heart or that we deserve, we can say whatever words we want and it will not be sufficient. We'll not have that oomph. You know, when Nancy did the opening prayer, she talked about having a, a fire in our belly. Well, if it's just words, there will be no fire in the belly. We do have to have that oomph. We have to have that excitement. We have to have that acceptance and that belief. This thing that I desire is for me. World peace is here. I can taste it. I can feel it. I see myself in it. I see myself acting upon it. And whether you're praying for the world or whether you're praying for your own, I don't know, job interview coming up, there does need to be that activity, that emotion, that color, and that acceptance. We have to have that picture in our mind of me in that new job, me dressing for that new job, me being on time and ready to work. It's not just a job interview. It is... Having the job, being the job, living in the job, experiencing it, having that gusto for it. That is what creates the mental equivalent so that when you go to the job interview, everyone there already pictures you as the person with that job. It's that spiritual confidence. It is that mental image that when we pray about it, God just simply says, well, of course. And let's speed it up. (laughs) Actually, would you like to play along with me? We'll get ready for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about this idea of creating a treatment. But I think that some of you may not actually have a current and strong mental equivalent of happiness. So I ask you to indulge me. Just close your eyes. It'll just take a couple minutes. Close your eyes. And use your mind, if you'd like, like a time machine. My gosh, our minds are so wonderful. We can picture and envision events from the past just as easily as we can envision the world around us today. And so for right now, I'd like you to envision a time in the past when you were incredibly happy. It might have been some special event like a birthday or a, a celebration. It might have been a, a wedding day or a day that your first child was born or, or any number of events. But simply in your own mind, picture that perfect day of happiness. If you can, fill in a lot of the details about it. What was going on? Were you by yourself? With, were you with other people? Were you surrounded by friends and family, or were you out on a walk by yourself? Recreate in your mind's eye that particular day of such sweet and profound happiness. The elements of it, what was going on, what you were wearing, and more importantly, what you were feeling. See if you can have your heart right now open up and experience that happiness again. Imagine that you're in that day right now reliving it and open your heart to sense that happiness. Feel those sensations of of freedom or love or whatever was going on that helped move you into that day of perfect happiness. Can you feel it? Can you see it? There may even be smells and tastes, right? Maybe there's that birthday cake, or, or maybe, uh, maybe there's that scent of the outdoors. Notice every little detail. All right, well, you can open your eyes. That, that is a mental equivalent. And did you see that with very little preparation or study, you didn't need to have a class on that part of it, right? Couldn't you sense that happiness in your own heart and in your own mind? Couldn't you picture yourself in it? You know, you've already got the 90% of actually doing a wonderful spiritual mind treatment. It's that prototype, it's that, it's that mental equivalent of what you want. So much of our lives we, we spend, uh, focusing on what we don't want, reacting to the negativity that's in the world. And, and of course, God says, well, really? Well, okay. If that's what you want to focus on. Here we've done something different, though. Can you feel the difference? Can you feel how attractive you were? You know, it's interesting. Have you ever been to, like, a party or a get-together, and there was, like, that one person that when they came into the room, it's like, you you know, it's like the camera's all swivel, (laughs) right? That attractiveness is because that person in that moment has an incredible mental equivalent that is turning, uh, sometimes we call it charisma, but, but whatever you want to call it, that is the strength of a powerful mental equivalent of poise, of love, of joy, of confidence, and it acts just like a magnet. And not only are people attracted to it, but spirit itself is attracted to it. It it provides a greater experience of that mental equivalent always. If you ever want to prove this to yourself, do what we just did right before you enter a room, and you will discover all eyes will be on you because you are attracting to you that happiness and who wouldn't want to be right who wouldn't want to be right with you in the midst of that happiness so try that out if you have any doubts that the idea of a mental equivalent doesn't work try it for yourself and let me know because uh, i have found it to be true 100 percent of the time well today we've talked about several important things We've talked about the idea of spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer. It's the kind of prayer that we're going to be working on this entire month. We have mentioned that there are other forms. All prayer is good. All prayer is useful. But we're going to be focusing on this kind of praying this month that allows you to change conditions. We talked about the idea of a mental equivalent, how important it is to be able to know and visualize and accept what we want as opposed to what we don't want. So many of our prayers are to relieve us from symptoms, but we spend all of our time focused on the symptoms. Affirmative prayer focuses on the desired outcome. It's building that mental equivalent of what we do want. And finally, we talked about the idea, the difference between it just being words And having that passion, having that acceptance, do you really view yourself as having that outcome? Or is it just words? Are you just being hopeful? But somehow in your heart of hearts, you know that that's not for you. It's not likely. There's the case where we need to build up that more positive mental equivalent in whatever way we can. All right. Homework. Of course you knew there would be homework, right? So next week, if we're going to be doing a spiritual mind treatment about happiness, you have to come prepared with that mental equivalent. So we did a little bit of it in the, the service today, right? I had you envision a time when you were perfectly happy. Your homework this week is to become skilled at bringing up that mental equivalent in your mind. I, I would like it that if a stranger were to stop you on the street and just say, well, what does happiness mean to you? That there would be no pause. You'd immediately launch into a little, well, almost like a Recipe for happiness. This is what makes me happy. This is how I feel when I'm happy. Here are the things I like to do when I'm happy. Here are the feelings that come up when I am happy. Uh, It's like you would just start chattering away as though someone had asked you what the weather was like. You know what I mean? It's right on the tip of your tongue. This is what happiness is to me. And if you come with that next week, I promise you we will develop a science of mind treatment, one of these affirmative prayers, that will bring you lasting happiness. So I'm going to close from another quote from the book and, of course, a prayer. He says, This book is not written to give you faith. Please look towards your church for that. Instead, it is written to show you how to translate your faith into productive thinking, to produce the results that you want. You are producing in life only a fraction of what you really want. You watch a few achieve, and then you alibi yourself into the docility of failure. But life takes you at your own evaluation. God has never limited humankind and doesn't limit you. In fact, every religious system has proclaimed that God is and is always inspiring you to greater and finer achievements. But if God is for you, then certainly you had better be for yourself. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, One joy, one beauty. There's only this one thing in all of its many forms, and I choose to call it God. And what I know about God is that God is that creative force in the universe that all of our thoughts eventually turn into things, that it is our own mentality, our own mental equivalent, our own way of thinking and accepting the world around us that, that powers it, that creates it, that moves us forward. And so on this day, I, I claim with authority that we are powered by the positive mental equivalence of our own choosing, that we can let go of that that negativity of the past we can let go of mental equivalents that no longer serve us and instead picture ourselves in luxury picture ourselves in love picture ourselves having the the health and the vitality that we desire creating a mental equivalent of the good life however it is defined And so this week, I know as we embark upon our homework, as we begin visualizing ourselves in ever greater degrees of happiness, I know that this catches that cosmic mind, that this involves that law of creation that we'll be talking about next week. And the happiness begins out picturing, even before the prayer is spoken. And for this, I give great thanks. For this, I simply bless the way it works. God, it's off. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.